0: Hello, my name is John Hendren, and in this episode of Botcast, number 50, we feature the second partita for keyboard, BWV-826. So our opening performance there was my first exposure to the Six Partitas. This was a, a two-disc set that came out in the 80s. I can't... Probably I came across it eighty-nine or maybe 1990. This is Trevor Pinnock. This is his recording on DG Archive um, of the Six Partitas. And he plays on a, a sort of an interesting instrument, but I don't... I've never been in love with the uh, the sound quality, it takes a lot to get used to. It. And then when you, if you jockey between different recordings, it, it doesn't come across so well. But one of the things, cause I haven't listened to this recording for quite some time. One of the things I, uh, admire about it is, uh, some of the speed that, uh, Pinnock takes in some of these movements. Uh, he, he, he can relax, but he can also push the tempo, um, he seems to me this is be my criticism over time uh, seems to be a really real slave to the metronome in terms of once that speed is is chosen it's mm, it's locked in, uh, which with a harpsichord can almost come across sometimes as mechanical, but uh, nevertheless, I uh, enjoyed going back and listening to his uh, recording. Um, if you remember from our last Podcast uh, that looked at the partidas. We looked at partita number one, the opening. Uh, this one is uh, in the key of C minor. It's a multi movement suite for keyboard. And as a reminder, this was Bach's sort of first foray into publishing. This was his Opus One. This was him making his mark in the world of, of keyboard music. And uh, as you might expect, we open with a um, Sort of a prelude, if you will, but it's not called that in this instance. It's labeled a symphonia, and um, we're going to listen to that in just a moment. It's then followed by an allemande, a Courant, a Sarabande, you're like, okay, he's going to end with a jig. But he doesn't. Um, sort of interesting in this particular piece, he introduces a rondo, um, which I'm sure is a deliberate move on Bach's part two, Uh, appeal to the french taste and then it ends with uh get another surprise not a jig but a capriccio um so he is uh not only channeling the french style but is channeling the italian uh showing himself if you will as a sort of uh perhaps um worldly composer someone who knows different styles uh and i can't help but think of uh Maybe a little rivalry with his friend Telemann, who uh, was very conversant with different styles and incorporated them in his music. But you got to remember, in in Germany, there was the the French and Italian styles, which sort of had this mixture, if you will. I think of it in some ways like when we re- reference the American melting pot, like different cultures coming together. Um, uh, I think that reference is after we talk about some of this German music. Not that there isn't a German personality in it, but um, there was definitely an interest to composers. And it's not unique to Germany. We had, for instance, the the French violinist Jean-Marie Leclerc, who um, was referencing uh, Italian models, um, despite the fact that the French like being French, as we read. So... Um, a little bit of mixture here, kind of interesting, and in that they are my two favorite movements in this piece. But we're going to start with the opening. And I'm going to leave Pinnock right now and give you another taste, if you will, uh, of the performance of this second partita. Enjoy. This is the opening symphonia. So I play a little trick on you. I didn't give you a keyboard version. This is a an arrangement. I've I think I've borrowed from this album before. I really like it. Uh performed by Ensemble Contrast. Uh, they basically did some pieces by Bach and they introduce the symphonia from the second partita. What I want you to, to hear in that was how it, there's a lot of chords. It it almost seems written for a large ensemble. And right where I end it, it's sort of then picks up with a different theme which is kind of interesting i want you now to hear what that would sound like on uh instrument germain de bach Mm uh we're going to now hear Andreas steyer he recorded the the clavier ubung uh the more formal title that bach gave uh his first book his first opus um and this is on harpsichord and one of the things that um Stayer uh, does in this. He's he's almost referencing for me a little Tan Kootman. He's, he's ornamenting and um, it's it's just a very strong performance in my opinion. Uh, Andreas Stayer. <laughs> interesting to me is what Bach does. Da, 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 da. He plays these big chords. And that, that, that first one, that, not the first one, but the second one that comes in after the dot, it's just this crunch of sound. It reminds me of some of the pieces by Scarlatti on the keyboard where literally you could just be hammering anything. It's, it's meant to make this sort of, uh, just this noise. And we don't get that in that pretty version that, that features... Uh, two string instruments uh it's something that you don't really appreciate unless you played the instrument it, it likely was conceived for which is the harpsichord um and then what bach does he doesn't just repeat it he sort of holds he um makes us wait for that next chord which is just kind of cool um way of writing right your average composer would have said, okay, we've got this sort of opening rhythm that we're going to do, and we're going to repeat it a few times, a different progression, but no Bach holds us back in anticipation. So it's almost like this anguish. Um. Not sure what the reading may be into that, but it definitely is somewhat arresting uh, to open a piece like this, right? It's like, da, 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 da. In this next example, that that whole sentiment that I just described is completely lost. <laughs> this this guy does not feel the same thing. He's basically just playing the harmonies. For better or for worse, this is uh, Glenn Gould's recording of the opening Symphonia from the Second Partita. What I do love about Glenn Gould is his control of articulation and how light that is and how it's just laser-focused on those two voices. Uh, and it almost fits the uh, quality, if you will, of being capricious, right? has this little... It's just cool music. Now, why symphonia? What is Bach doing? Um, most composers would do probably an opening slow movement or some kind of we think of like the Couperon, we might do like a unmeasured prelude or something bach of course left us lots of preludes in the well tempered clavier he's definitely exploring a much more formal structure here symphonias you think of them as like uh, i think of them like the opening of a romo opera or something you know it's got this slow dotted rhythm Whiffs of France, and then we have a sort of faster midsection, and then we will close with the slower section. So that's what Bach is setting up here uh, in this partita. What I want to do uh, is move ahead to the last two movements because to cover the whole piece, there's lots of really great movements. This is a great uh, piece by Bach. Between the first and the second, those are my my first; those are my favorite of the. Six parties, but they all have some uh, delicious moments in them. Uh, the next performance we're going to hear is, is is again on piano. This is a pianist that I haven't heard a lot about, but I really admire this album uh, that she put out entitled Bach. This is Anne Marie McDermott, and uh, she recorded. I think we featured her once before in one of the English Suites, but here she is with the uh, the Rondo one of the two, the penultimate movement uh, on piano. So she's uh, very technically uh, gifted. She takes what I would say is almost a Gould-esque uh, approach to speed. And it really worked up until that little... And it just maybe sounded a little bit rushed to me, but she hadn't... And I rushed, I mean not in her, her technical ability. She played fine, but it it just sounds like, whew, there's a rush of notes. A little bit out of character. And So what is a rondo? Um, Bach spells it in in the French way, uh, which is with a plural e a u, uh, x, which means that there are multiple rondos, if you will. Uh, but it speaks here to the fact that you get a recurring theme, um, and you could hear it dun 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 dun, dun, dun. Sing the rhythm dum, bum, bum. Dun, 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 dun. Um, and it immediately goes into some other themes, and then that that theme comes back. That's a we would say in English a rondo, right? So Bach writes one of these, kind of interesting. We don't have a lot of examples uh, of that, and it's a neat little, it's it's a neat piece, uh, and because of the the contrast between the main theme and the uh, these little. Uh, visits to other themes uh, it opens up some possibilities for performers i'm going to now give you uh, another taste from another pianist this is uh, david frey um, french pianist and this came out just uh, a few years ago sort of new on the scene he's recorded a couple things by bach memorable things from that Pinnock recording. So uh, before David Frey finished, I want to give you a taste of Trevor Pinnock again. Again, a recording made in 1985, and in that movement, the Rondo, uh, he adopts the lute stop uh, on the harpsichord, which is uh, basically moving uh, the position on the strings where it is plucked, giving it a different sound quality. Um, and that lute stop or uh, change in, in in sound quality is going to differ a little bit on depending on what instrument and the instrument he has there if I remember correctly it 's a historical instrument um, may have some connection with handle i don 't remember exactly And my my uh, booklet is is um, not available right here but uh, again just an interesting unique sound one of the things that Gives me uh, goosebumps about remembering exploring this music for the first time. Is this that sound quality that he adopted using that historical instrument? So after that, Panek goes into like full hog mode, plays you know, the full volume of the instrument by by switching back, and it's this last move with this capriccio that is typically uh, treated as this big sort of tour de force. Ending to this, um, this suite. Um, and so you can imagine if you are a pianist, you're going to go all out. So let's listen to a version first on the piano. So my second example there comes, again, from Anne-Marie McDermott. Um, Both her and David Frey, who was our pianist uh, in the first clip, they really make use. They have a strong opening, but then they kind of come down and they use the voicing of the piano um, to really separate the voices. There's sort of definitely a a top voice and a bottom voice with the bass. McDermott is sort of punchy with a few of the notes in the bass, um Frey seems to uh, highlight the melody, and then there's sort of an inner voice there that's um filling things in uh great performance, I think, from both like the tempos i like I like the feel, I like the fact they're doing something different with it, right so it's sort of a neat piece It's got that sort of rhythmic drive that uh, is not atypical of Bach. Um, makes it jaunty, makes it dance-like. I really have no concept of what Bach meant by capriccio. If that is actually like a uh, a bona fide dance form, but that's what it is. That's sort of a fun, fun piece. <laughs> So I haven't really dipped into this recording yet. This is another recording of Clavier Ubung 1, the six partitas by Benjamin Allard. Um, love the sound of the instrument here. Love parts of the performance. But for this piece, is this capriccio, this, this this piece that got me excited, at least with our piano versions, it had a little bit of drive to it had a little punch and dynamics. This one's just... Mm, kind of a letdown to me. It's a little slow. It's a little careful. It's, you know, we still enjoy the music. It's still, it's still Bach, but it just doesn't have that, that extra oomph that I sort of like. Um, So not my favorite there, Um, but I want to give you a contrast. The other thing you notice on the harpsichord is you miss that opportunity to really uh, separate things and sometimes... That's kind of nice. Wonder what Bach would have done on the clavichord or on a newfangled piano that had come out uh, before his death. Um, It's impossible to know what the articulation would have been like if he would have differentiated in the the way that these pianists uh, have. And while Andreas Steyer does not have that initial drive that David Frey provides in his version of the piano i really like this version on the harpsichord especially the extra ornaments that we get and it'll be our closing uh for this edition the 50th episode of podcast hey if you've been listening to Botcast and you've enjoyed it thank you uh for listening some of you write me comments from time to time really appreciate that it it helps me uh with the motivation to continue on uh for those of you who did not listen to the opening episodes My goal here was to highlight 100 pieces by Johann Sebastian Bach, comparing different recordings, kind of pointing out what I find interesting about them and how I compare them uh, from my own collection. So I hope you've enjoyed this uh, foray into another of Bach's keyboard pieces. And with that, I'm John Hendren. And behind me, soon to uh, get a little louder, Andreas Steyer, this is a release Uh, on Deutsche Harmonie Mundi.